I love my blackness and yours. And it's not enough for me to tell you that I love your blackness. Let me tell you what about your blackness it is that I am obsessed with. I'm obsessed with your black skin. I love every hue and shade of you. I love that chocolate. Child, that chocolate, mmm, that chocolate. I love me some chocolate skin, some brown skin, some beige skin, and some black tan skin. I love the skin that your blackness is in. I love your black hair. Oh my goodness, your 4A, your 4B, your 4C, your kinky, your coily, your straight, your bald, your short, your long, your weave, your braids, your extensions, your clippings. Yes, I love my new clippings. I love the diversity and the transformative nature of your black hair. Let me see what else about blackness I love. I love, I love your black voice. Mm-hmm. I love the tone of your black voice. I love the inflections of your black voice. I love the octaves of your black voice. I love hearing your blackness. I love your black body. I sure do. Your size zero to size 24, your shapes, your curves, your flatness, all of it. I love your black body. I love your black talent. I love your black entrepreneurship. I love your black motivation. I love your blackness. I love your black food. Ooh, child, I love me some black food. I love soul food. I love black music, gospel, R&B, hip-hop. I love your blackness. I love your blackness. I love your Negro nose and your Jackson 5 nostrils. I love your full lips. I love your blackness. I love your style. I love your black style. Honey, when we pull it out, when we stunt in front, we stunt and we front. I love your blackness. I love your black poetry, your black song, your black writing. I love your black expression in any way you choose to express your blackness. I love your blackness and I love mine. I love your blackness and I love mine. I love your blackness and I love mine. And there's so much about your blackness that needs to be celebrated. There's so much about your blackness that requires sight. There's so much about your blackness that is so much more than oppression. That is so much more than what the world thinks and believes it is. And I believe that it's time that we celebrate our blackness by defining the magic of our blackness. Not just these overall generic statements. Yes, I love my blackness and yours, but let me tell you what it is about the blackness that I love about being black, about seeing black, about absorbing black. I love black love. I love black spirituality. Mm. Mm -mm. I love black rituals. I love blackness. I'm going to scream it. I love blackness. What about blackness do you love? Whether you are black or an ally of blackness, comment below and let me know. What about blackness is it that you just can't get enough of, that you want to share? How about black joy? Ooh, I love black joy. Black boy joy? Black girl joy? How about black smiles? Yes, show those pearly whites. What about black happiness? What about black healing? What about black pain management? What about blackness is fantastic to you? I love my blackness, and I adore, I adore your blackness too. Jenny Blanco? See. Si. Are you ready? For a new episode of I hit so hot. It's gonna be messy. For why? Because you know, my emotions are all over the place <sighs> and it's a lot going on, and I'm not going to strive for perfection. I'm just gonna be what I be. All right, why not? All right, let's go. Beautiful soul unicorns. No, 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 no. Nope. It's Stephanie, the life architect. Oh, hell no. How about no? No, 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 no. Hell no. <laughs>
hashtag ISNPod. I could do for you what Martin did for the people. Word. Ran by the man, but the women keep the tempo. Tempo. It's very seldom that you're blessed to find your equal. Still play my part and let you take the lead role. Believe me. I do. I follow. This could be easy. Don't doubt yourself. Black men, you need me. We do. This ain't a chip. This ain't a chip. You know that, right? No. No. (laughs) This ain't a chip on the shoulder. It's just facts. It's just facts that black women hold black men up. It's, It's just a fact that at the forefront of this revolution and every revolution, you will find women shutting shit down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, saints and sinners, sinners and friends, unicorns. It is me, it is I, it is she, it is her. It is your mother unicorn. It is the life architect, the builder, customizer, and designer of healthy, revolutionary, emotional lives. Your permission giver is here, but she is not alone. She bought back up this time. She bought her black king, and his name is what? I am Denny Blanco from the Bronx. What it do? Thank you so much for having me again. I appreciate you. Baby girl. You're welcome. Welcome back to the latest episode of what? ISM Pod. ISM Pod. That is that hashtag. You are listening to the I Said No podcast. The podcast that you listen to that is your safe emotional audio space. The podcast that you listen to that allows you to say no to things that do not serve you so that you can say yes to all of the things that nurture and bring alignment and abundance to your life. Denny Blanco, has it been heavy for you for the last few weeks? It's a heavy week. It's It's a heavy, heavy couple of weeks. It's been a a heavy year. I'm trying to compartmentalize, is that the word? I'm yes, trying to, compartmentalize. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to put the year in quarters mm. and handle it uh, handle it as it comes. But right, yeah, the first, the first two quarters of the year have been... A doozy. Uh, yeah, doozy is a one doozy. word I would use. Yeah, could, You're a doozy. If you want to go light, light. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's been a doozy. Doozy has been the word, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely been a doozy. 2020 came in with a vengeance and it hasn't stopped yet. And we are in June as we speak. And though it's hot outside, weather-wise, it's also hot outside with the vibes, honey, because we are here. The revolution is being televised, literally. And we're not allowing the bullshit that's happened to our ancestors to happen now and I wanted to talk to my beautiful souls from a different with a different perspective with a different angle so many podcasts you may be listening to are talking about Black Lives Matter as they do in conventional ways right Denny with police brutality and obvious things that are in the news and on the media on our media platforms I want to come at it from a different angle. And I'm glad that you're here to indulge me. As you know, I am a solution driven being. Would you agree with that? At least at some percentage? Always. (laughs) Always. I I would say I'm a solution driven being even in the middle of my mess. I want to get to something that moves us forward. Right. Right. So with that said, I don't again want to take the conventional approach to this audio hour or so I want to really get into some things that I think would help us as a community. And when I say us, I mean black people. Right. When I say us, I mean black people. And when I say us, I mean black people, there is a difference between being a black person and a person of color. I happen to identify as both. 
I have a black father, an African-American father, and I have a Latina mother. And I grew up with my foot in both ponds, so to speak. And I clearly see the difference when I go into my black side or my father's side. I see the differences in discrimination that my Latina side, they often experience too, but nowhere near as much as my black side has experienced. And I'm talking about the black men in my family, the black women in my family, the ones that are not romanticized because of their light skin, the ones that are not romanticized and fetishized over their spice, their Latina heat, the ones who are looked at as poor, as problematic, as animals, as apes, as welfare recipients, just because of their hue and where they derive from. So I want to make sure that I touch on things that affect the black community as a whole. And yes, 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 everybody comes from Africa. Yes, Latinos are black too, mm -hmm, because of their race, right? Race, nationality, two different things, right? But I'm talking about black people overall. I'm talking about when you're black, it's your race and your nationality, what you go through as a black person who checks black and African-American across the board. Does that make sense to you? Does that work for you, Denny? What, is that, what does that do for you? No, that's clear. We And... and you know, maybe the folks need to get an idea of what maybe race and, and nationality is in terms of, you know, an understanding. But what you just said was was right on the money. I agree with you. Thank you. But you dropped what the difference between race and nationality was on your weekly IG live TV. What is it? TV. Thank you. <laughs> Come on and claim it. Jesus. Thank you. IG TV. <laughs> yes. Yeah. IG TV live featuring Hype Williams. You and Hype brilliantly broke it down. By the time you hear this episode, who knows when? It could have been a couple of weeks back, but feel free to go back to the I Am Denny Blanco page on Instagram and Twitter to find the full episode where you broke down the difference, the definition of race and nationality. And to put it in layman's terms, when you think nationality, think nation, right? The nation that you come from, where you came from, where you were actually born, what nation you were born in. So just because you were born in the Dominican Republic does not mean that your entire race, your lineage, where you come from, your ancestral roots are Dominican. It can't be when, you know, slavery and everything happens. So that's a difference, uh, a quick, brief layman's term breakdown of race and nationality. So I'm clear about what my nationality is. I'm clear about what my race is. And I happen to again, identify as a black woman and a woman of color. Sure. So as a black woman and a woman of color who's had different perspectives in the world and who likes to be solution-driven, there's a few bullet points that I've been taking and writing down over the course. You've been gathering? I've been collecting and gathering my thoughts. <laughs> I've been collecting and gathering data. And I've been collecting and gathering questions that I ask myself and want to ask other people so that I'm going to ask you for our audience, okay? Let's do it. I'm always ready to answer some questions. I feel like the world that is white does not realize that even with the progressiveness of the marching that they are doing, even with the police brutality that they are now experiencing by the hands of their own law enforcement and their own white cops and their own even sometime black and Latino cops, I feel like even though they're experiencing a smidgen of oppression that black people have experienced for over 400 years. They don't get that until reparations are had are given that there is, in my opinion, no equality really reparations means the making of amends for a wrong 
that has been done, paying money or otherwise helping those who have been wronged. America has been run by white men for centuries and they owe black people, in my opinion, reparations. There will never be equality, in my opinion, until black people receive their 40 acres and a mule. So I want to know from you, Denny Blanco, in 2020, what does 40 acres and a mule look like to a black man? First of all, you owe us. You owe us big time. And you should be you should be really, you know, happy that we're not coming to get it. We're asking for it still. But you owe us. What does reparations look like for 2020 in my opinion? It could look like a, a ton of things. It could look like social services, maybe um, monies invested into more community centers. It could be monies invested into more uh, maybe uh, warehouses uh, built to teach um, vocational skills, uh, how to build cars, how to build, how to fix air conditions, how to how to uh, build. You know, you can go down the line of things that we're we don't have resources for, and take monies. And divert it straight into there. Into there. If you're trying to help the black community rise up, and that's right. the point. We're not trying to uh, dis. We're we're, not, we're trying to catch up. Let's be clear. You've mm-hmm. had a long lead on this race. Is there another word for lead when it's been centuries and four hundred years? I mean, lead is an understatement. Shit. An understatement. You're right. There has been an extensive, monumental, ex- exacerbated lead so it should for be white an, America. Right, and I apologize. It should no, be an, please, an, an exacerbated solution. That's that's what I'm saying. We should receive the equivalent of oppression should be the equivalent of reparations, in my opinion. So if we've been held back in education, if we've been held back financially, if we've been held back with land ownership, if we've been held back, and that's what I mean, housing, land ownership, if we've been held back with any and every aspect, I just feel emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, I feel like all categories should be blessed with reparations because you can't say I'm sorry without action, right? Because when I you say I apologize, that's the action and I'm sorry, that's the action words of being sorry, but that's not the actual actions. Does this make sense? Absolutely. So saying sorry to America, black America, kneeling Oh my God, and Nancy Pelosi, take that fucking kente cloth off. Don't you ever in your fucking life try to blacken your ensemble, you fucking idiots. Don't you dare try to photo op a kente cloth. You got a lot of fucking nerve to think that you can get on a goddamn knee and throw African garb around your goddamn neck, and now all of a sudden, Black Lives Matter. Cut that bullshit out. One of my tribes, my neighbor tribes, Ashanti, from Ghana, my blood, soil, where I'm from. Uh huh. Th- those patterns mean something. Absolutely, break them down. Th- that is that is disgraceful. Yeah, disrespectful. Right. You you're basically uh, throwing that pattern around like it's uh, um your normal uh, created uh, uh um go to. Uh, fashion, fashion, uh, uh, throw, throw on. Yeah. Like it's a, like a scarf. Yeah. Like a scarf. Yeah. A pashmina. It's not a pashmina. It's not a pashmina. Those patterns 
it, it, it represents something. And for you to just, you white people just to now blacken your ensembles and blacken your speech, let me tell you, you're visibly, you're the definition, the walking white definition of microaggression. It would be like wearing a kilt. It would be exactly like wearing a kilt. Let me put it in layman's terms for a lot of people. So when the Women's March was happening and the Women's Me Too movement was happening and it was larger than charged, there was a big Women's March on Mar- on Washington, right? It would be the equivalent of men who tried to say, stand in solidarity with the Women's March to wear a dress. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? That's the equivalent. You don't wear dresses. You don't wear women's fashion. You're not one of the men who do that. You're a cis straight man and you normally wear pantsuits, shorts or whatever. And to say, I stand with you, all of a sudden, I'm going to throw on a dress in a motherfucking place. They thought that, the, you know what it was? I got it. They thought they were going to put it on and immediately be entered into Wakanda. But that's the problem. Yes. They that's thought- what the, that was the entrance key. Like, put, <laughs> no, you must, you must put on the, you must put on the Ashanti. The Ashanti Kente uh-huh. Uh-huh, cloth uh-huh. before you go uh-huh. to Wakanda. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It is the express. Oh. Yes. So without that, you take Loka, but you put it on the express. I can't. <laughs> I can't. That's what it just, I hate, I hate when white people black in their speech. Yo, 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 what's up? I used to work with this lady. I remember when I came home and told you she came to me. This is when Tyler Perry was boom, just started booming and he had House of Pain, which I've never seen an episode of, by the way. He had the House of pain show just starting white woman from Staten Island and she walks in I walk into work and she walks up to me and you know that stupid thing white people do with their hands when they're trying to rap like they they act like we all rap like with our fingers spread wide and our arms like flailing like we did in the 90s I'm not gonna lie that, that oh yeah, yeah that was a point <laughs> looks like bum stickity bum so she walks up to me doing that and she's like yo 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 have you ever seen house of pain and I was like um good morning <laughs> mind mm. you you had just spoke to me for the last five years mm. with your normal voice tones and inflections and here you go the minute you want to talk about a black show you come to me looking like naughty by nature in the OPP video I just don't understand what's happening here filthy filthy I digress I'm sorry I just cannot allow this is going to be a messy show because we're going to be all over the, the place do, do it do it that's right I don't have structure and order today because that's my right. emotions are big and complicated with all that is going on so my podcast is going to be big and complicated Fair. so I digress we were talking about reparations and I want to go back to 40 acres and a mule for yeah. those of you who don't know what 40 acres and a mule is as the civil war was winding down 150 years ago union leaders gathered a group of black ministers in Savannah Georgia the goal was to help thousands of newly freed slaves because they're newly freed and they had nothing. So 40 acres in a mule means that land was supposed to be set aside on the northeast coast so that each family should have a plot of not more than 40 acres in a mule so that they can, they can have ground to build on. Right. They can have 40 acres of ground and then a mule to help them, you know, plant, farm and grow so they can get something to start their life after being oppressed for so long because they realize that when they freed them, they had nothing to go to. That didn't work out. You can definitely do your Googles and find out about 40 acres and a mule, but it didn't work out that way. So me sitting here watching all that's going on with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, me thinking back to even Sean Bell in 2006, I believe it was Trayvon Martin Tamir Rice Sandra Bland the list goes on and on and I'm just like when are we going to get more than just verbal apologies and donations to the NAACP like what do we as black people need to do 
to get reparations, I feel like we should get a list together of what reparations means to us. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can get we we can get a list, but all revolutions didn't didn't come with no plan. It was about one thing or one thing only. That was it. You know, sometimes there are revolutions and you can look it up in the history. There was no plan. It was just like, oh, they're not giving us this. Let's go. Let's, but what's it's the, the this? That's what I'm saying. I feel the, like I okay. get that revolution. I get that some shit just starts with shit and hitting the fan. Shit hit the fan. But after a while, we have to get decency and an order. We just have to because you can't just keep looting and marching with no end goal in sight. What do you want to come out of this? We want no police brutality. That's one. But if you think about systematic oppression, it's not just police brutality. That's the tip of the iceberg. Real reparations start inside the system of the systematic oppression, right? How do we build the black community with the resources that the white people have? We have to have their resources. So what are the bullet pointed resources that we need to represent 2020 40 acres and a mule i have one what all companies mandated by law required to show their black facts yes and at least increase their black capacity if you will by how much 40 percent i agree so and i also agree that every executive team i believe a minimum of three people should be black i believe there should be a trans representative i believe that it should be a rainbow fucking coalition I believe every disenfranchised group starting with black people should be on the board of executives. I said, you know, and you're 100% right. I said 40% because I don't want to say 50. But yeah, everything that white people are involved in or whether it's executive level, whether it's if you have the absolute qualifications to be in that said position, which has happened over generations where we have two counterparts, one person black, one person white, both doing the same jobs. The person that's white gets paid two to three times more than the person is black. And they're both doing the same exact jobs. It's time for now for us to get, yeah, that 48 is 40, 40%, whatever it Come is, on, you get 40%. Come on. Oh, so it's police department, 40% black. Oh, it's McDonald's, 40% McDonald's uh, in terms of uh, black, black people. But not working. just in the working space. No, executive level. It, it has Ask to be executive. That. All that. Black people have to be in position of power. Absolutely. They have to be in decision making seats, Absolutely. right? Because when, oh, my mouth is juicy. Did you hear me chewing my edible? Mm-mm. Oh my goodness. That's right. so good. Um, I t- <laughs> all, right, all right now. All right, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> Black people have to be in decision-making seats. It's not enough to hire black people as your janitors. It's not enough to hire black people as your secretaries and your executive assistants. It's not enough to hire black people in positions that do not create change. And that's what people do. They want to sit up there and be like, we we have a full diverse staff. Great. How many people on your quote unquote diverse staff can make decisions, have power to, to veto, to yay or nay what happens in this place? Eh, wrong. I said no to your lies. You have 40% on every single. Oh, so you have a sales department team? 40%. Marketing. Oh, marketing. Forty percent. Right. Oh, 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 oh. Sales. Forty percent. Automatically. Oh, oh. The tech team. Forty percent. Yeah. Let's stop stereotyping the tech team. Too. <laughs> Why is the tech team full of Indian people? Hello. We like. Have... There's no smart. Uh. 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 Oh. Um. Latino. Latinos. Black. black. 
And can we have some inclusivity with LGBTQ plus? Absolutely. Like why? Why? Absolutely. Why are we Black Lives Mattering it except for when it's gay people? Absolutely. Why are we Black Lives Mattering except for when it's a trans person? Let me tell you how many trans Black women are killed every fucking day in this world, and no one gives a goddamn. I'm gonna need our communities to stop limiting the black lives because the black lives don't look like theirs because when we do that externally they do it because they see us do it okay that's not okay i want to i want my company to look like the rainbow what was the ad when we were kids rainbows of america when everybody held hand in the indian man yeah yeah i remember you know i don't know what i'm i don't know what the name I, I, of it I, I, is I my remember, edible I, kicking I, in already i don't think than, so well, you never know i just took it <laughs> well it <laughs> like, could be a fast one. it could be a fast one <laughs> But I don't think so. I, I don't remember. You know what I mean? It was yes, just like, yes. heal the world, make it, I don't know, resurrect Michael Jackson. Let's do a real the world. Like, what the fuck are we doing when we live in a world where we literally can't see anybody that looks like us in a leadership role or anybody who doesn't look like a cookie cutter white person in a leadership role? So yes, reparations needs to come with automatic inclusion in executive seats. And white people who have been privileged all these years, I get it. I get that you possibly having someone catch up to you makes you feel oppressed. Mm. But guess what? That ain't what it is, bruh. Bruh, bruh. Having a person of color, a black person, a trans person, a gay person have equality to, equality to you does not automatically mean that you are now oppressed. I don't get this notion that, oh my God, catching up to me makes me feel like I'm going to be them. And guess what? If that's what you feel, you know damn right all this time that everybody who was oppressed shouldn't be there because your fear of oppression, your fear of being treated like a black man or woman, your fear of being treated like a trans woman, your fear of being treated like anyone who's different from you should tell you that you already know that your privilege is wrong. Does that make sense? If I'm scared to be black, then I should know that how black people are treated is, is inappropriate. I don't want to assimilate. I don't want, I am pure white bread. I do not want to assimilate and have a black person living on my same floor that, that sounds... I that I paid for. I don't want to have I don't a, care, Karen. a dirty, a dirty mm. person. I don't even know what I don't even want to name that person, but mm. she's dirty and mm. I don't like her. Mm. All right. Living even in my building, cooking her food. I don't want it. This is what they fear the most assimilation uh it's interesting because people of color black people have always been forced to assimilate yes 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 always has been forced we have been forced put into rooms put into situations put into environments where we had to assimilate Mm, mm, and it wasn't a question about it it was you do it or else mm. Mm-mm. you conform or else oh you like that hair cut it off it's just not mine cut it off make me comfortable you know what is his name that wrote for richard pryor uh that wrote for the comedian um uh paul, paul mooney paul mooney said black people relax their hair because white people need to be relaxed to be comfortable hmm Okay, and when he said that, we watched that years ago. I'll never forget that. I will never forget that because I was like, holy crap, he's right. We have to assimilate with everything 
we have, except for our skin color, those of us who choose not to bleach, right? Those dark skin mm-hmm. and brown people who choose not mm-hmm. to bleach. You try to assimilate in every way how you dress, how you walk, how you talk. You code switch mm. and you wear a mask Mm-mm. so long that you end up being Terry Crews and you no longer know how to take it off. It fucking mm. melts into mm. your goddamn skin Mm-mm. where you want white approval so fucking much Mm-mm. that you sit up there and have the nerve to turn against your people, your women and everybody who looks like you, who supported your black big ass when you said white America was coming to sexualize you in Hollywood. We stood by you, but your coon ass can't take that coon mask off because it now has bled into your face your code switching is no longer a switch to switch done broke it's just who you are now this is what happens when you have to assimilate constantly and you seek the need of white approval what do you say about that the code switch people are scared of their positions when they get to certain status the repercussions of 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 status the repercussions the losing it all the fear and and everyone gets to a point yeah. where it's like enough. Enough is enough. And clearly Terry hasn't hit that point. And people have spoken to him. I saw the I saw a couple of posts where yeah. uh, uh everybody Godfrey hates everybody Godfrey came at him. Everybody hates Chris. I forget a uh, Tyler Tyler something. Yeah Chris. Came, yeah, yeah. Chris from everybody hates Chris. He came at him and, and you know respectfully like hey you know I, I disagree and I think you should look at it from a different angle. You sound stupid. And 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 yeah, it really <laughs> sounded like we, why can't we have black supremacy? It's long overdue. Uh, calling out white people for their racist shit is not black supremacy. Calling other black people out about how they want to assimilate and be white like he is, is not black supremacy. And I'm going to need him and everybody who's scared to lose their place in life to understand that if you lose what white people gave you because you're being authentically black, you really didn't lose anything you gained. Mm. You didn't lose anything by dropping and melting and removing that mask off. You didn't lose anything by no longer wanting to conform and assimilate to what white people need to be comfortable in white mediocrity. You actually lost one when you actually put that white mask on. The white people put him. The white people put him in position uh, to to succeed, or was it black people that put him in position? I think succeed? black people put him in position to succeed. You know, he was in every. Wayne's Brothers, White Chicky, you know, the the roles you're most known for, sir, are black productions. Okay? Yes, it was called White Chicks. It was black boys playing white women, okay? Nobody knows you from... Listen, I'm just done. I'm done with talking about Terry Crews. I'm getting fucking pissed off because he said, <laughs> he said he, he's just he's just the epitome of everything I feel is wrong when you try to live by white approval, when you worry about white tears and white guilt, when you want to worry about white inconvenience. I give zero fucks about any of that, especially when it comes to what's right for my people. So we talked a little bit about defining reparations which i hope people really get clear on because i think it's necessary for us to have a progressive movement forward we talked a little bit about code switching i want to talk about microaggressions right i told you i want to talk about things that are going to be messy and i want to talk about things that people 
really need to hear past police brutality. So the term microaggression was coined by a black man, Harvard professor and psychiatrist, Dr. Chester Pierce in 1970. He was studying the persistent presence of stigmatizing representation of black people in television. He defined it as subtle, stunning, often automatic and novel exchanges, which are put downs of black people. Let me not say all because there are some black people who say I didn't live a typical black life. There are some black people who have no clue what it feels like to be assaulted by the police. Sure, 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 sure. Right. And I think it's important that we admit that as black people, when we tend to want to beat up people who say I've never been on food stamps. I remember back in the day when Tammy Roman first got on basketball wives, this was years ago. She wanted to fight Jennifer because Jennifer grew up very upper middle class. Her father was comfortable. You know, she's like, when I got picked up from, my private school, I got picked up in a Porsche. And Tammy, when she just came on there from Jersey, very poor with a bad weave, um, she wanted to fight Jennifer because Jennifer had mentioned never seeing or using a food stamp. And I bring that up because even back then, I was like, well, black people are allowed not to be bred in struggle. Black people are allowed not to be bred in oppression. And I feel like when we hear from black people who were not bred in struggle and oppression, we autom- automatically say that they're not black enough because they're not tethered to that. And I think that is inappropriate. And if we get upset for other people throwing things in our faces, I think we need to check our own people for doing that to black people who have different experiences. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, what you know about the struggle? But why aren't we celebrating black people who <laughs> didn't grow to, up in struggle? That's the dumbest, dumbest thing. Because isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? Would you, Tariq, would you? What you know about the struggle, Tariq? Oh, ghost. Huh? What you know about the struggle? I know I killed my daddy. You go you, you, <laughs> you go to Catholic school. Right. Like, what do you know about you got, real struggle? You got clothes galore. You got everything you need. You got a car. You got a penthouse. You got food. You got summer camp. You got everything summer camp. you need. You out here you got, driving. You got everything you need. Yeah. Yeah. How do we get on this again? Oh, I was talking about basketball wives. Anyway, microaggression. Yeah, microaggression. So, we were talking about microaggression. So, have you had any microaggressions said to you by white people that you can think of based on the definition that the good Dr. Chester Pierce defined it by? Talk very well. Ah, you speak so well. Talk very well. You speak so well. You're one of the good ones. You're one of the good ones. I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I, said, I said, wait, a, wait, wait. I'm, I, you know, when you hear, <laughs> when you hear things. You speak so for well. For the very first what? time. Yeah. You don't. <laughs> you have to process. You, you try to process it because you you want to respond in the right way or not respond at all. Mm. So I've been in situations where I couldn't respond the way I wanted to. Yeah. So it it's a quick head nod, smile, or a excuse me, I have to use the bathroom, or you mean this is when you were younger? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I mean, now, you know, it's, it's a different game, a different ball game. Right. But, you know, they, the, these microaggressions, you know, start early and, and they, and you always want to make sure you're not over, you know, always say, it's not always about race, man. It is always about race. It's not always about race, man. And the fear of being the angry <laughs> black man, the yeah. fear of being the angry black woman. Yeah. Again, yeah. this is in our DNA. Even if you're, you have a temperament that's calm. If you're black, you're automatically assumed anytime you have a rebuttal, 
Anytime you stand up for yourself, anytime you're passionate about anything that you're automatically angry and you want to fight and cause discord. And that's one of the biggest microaggressions to me ever where it's just like, calm down. Don't fucking tell me to calm down because this is a summer breeze. This is actually 80 degrees summer breeze. You haven't seen my tornado or hurricane yet. So for you to tell me to calm down as soon as I open my mouth and say, excuse me, you can't tell, talk to me like that, like that. You can't say that to me. Oh, hey, that's not okay. That's a microaggression in itself. Top microaggressions. Tell me if you heard this audience. When I look at you, I don't see color. All lives matter. There's only one race, the human race. We all bleed red. Microaggressive statements. You speak good English. Wait a minute. Wait, what? Wait a minute. Wait, what? Wait, is bad English? Wait, wait a minute. I'm not a racist. I have black friends. I love my black mailman. Like you said, you're a good credit to your race. You are so articulate. Other forms of microaggressions are action. So if someone gets in an elevator with you and clutches their purse. Oh, yes. My favorite. Right. It doesn't just have to be verbal. Microaggressions are also action based. Right. So clutching your pearls and your purse, getting out of the elevator Waiting for you to leave so that they can come in. If I barked, I'm I'm wrong, right? I've done that before. (laughs) Black Jesus knows my heart. I've done that before. Black Jesus knows my heart. I've done that. I've done that before. It scared the but Jesus out a couple of women on purpose. I was like, that was blatant. So I'm gonna be blatantly over. Right. I'm gonna do the most. I'm gonna do the most just to see how stupid you look. How dumb. And and they'll look. They'll you know one couple of just out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, just to be stupid. Oh, no, I love it. Something as simple as asking an Asian person to help you or do a math or science problem, assuming that they're all good in math or science, or asking a black man why he doesn't play football or basketball, or asking an uh, Indian guy why he can't fix your computer, or asking a Dominican woman why she can't blow out your hair. These are all microaggressions. Again, it doesn't have to be verbal. It just means that you feel like actions are okay that are not okay, as well as the verbiage that you use that's not okay. Like, people have to understand making someone feel like you're complimenting them and you're disrespecting them is a microaggression. Uh, You know, and there are times where I've seen, I've been in rooms where... Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I've been, man, no no straps. I ain't got boots. What straps you talking about? Barefoot. Uh, I've been in rooms (laughs) where I've I've heard conversations where a white white young lady is complimenting a person of color and she's complimenting her hair, her style. Mm -hmm. And the... Is she petting her? No, just uh, complimenting her and the other person, you know, felt offense. Okay. And the other, you know, the, the young girl, she came to me and was crying. And I'm like, no, not not your white tears. No, please. No, no, no. She came white to me. White fragility. Yeah, she came to me. She's like, Dennis, what did I say? And I was like, why are you fawning? It seems like you're fawning over her like a pet. That's what I got. She was fawning over the white crying girl? No, no, no. The white crying girl ended up crying because the, the, the black girl, she was complimenting over complimenting to the point where she wasn't feeling the energy. Yeah, you was face. doing too much. She was doing too Calm much. She down, wasn't feeling Becky. the energy in her face to the point where the black girl was like, enough, bitch. Yeah, like sit down, Becky. And she was like, ah, oh, ah, oh, I just said, oh, white I fragility. Loved her 
trash. Yeah, but it's a difference. See, what white people don't understand is is a difference between complimenting someone and, like you said, making them feel like they're your pet. So I love your dress or your hair looks great or you look beautiful. Fine. Keep it that way. Oh, my God. I love your dress. Your dress is fucking amazing. I mean, your body is. I wish I had your hips and your curves. I mean, like, I can't even fill out a dress like that. Like, girl, you go, girl. Like, this is where it goes too far. Too far. Too far. I'm going to say it again. This is where it goes too far. And then. You have exactly what you said. White fragility kicks in. And let's define fragility. The quality of being easily broken or damaged. So white damage kicks in. White brokenness kicks in because we tell you that you're so accustomed in your DNA to believing even subconsciously that me looking nice is a rarity. Me articulating myself like a queen or a king is a a rarity. Me presenting myself as the royal being that I am is a rarity. So when you compliment me, you take it too goddamn far. Your white fragility kicks in when I tell you to simmer down now. Look at the mental jail I'm in. There's a point where I didn't even want to wear suits because of the uh, because of the attention Mm. it unnecessarily brought me. Elaborate. What say you? Yeah, there are times where I've been in suits, obviously, to go on interviews. Yeah. But the looks I get, mm-hmm. there are times where it looks where it's, oh, you must be going to court. Ooh. Or you did something wrong. Somebody why said you, that out loud. Why are you in a suit? The look. Like, why are you in a suit? Like, what? it's a question of why are you in a suit? Could the look be you look nice? No, I've had those looks. I've had, I'm saying I have combination of both. You know what I'm saying? Which gets me to understand. It, like, I'm already. Could some in- of it be black trauma, which is real? Because you don't know what people are thinking. We're assumed now, you're right. There's a difference between size ups and a compliment. But there are sometimes myself, I know I have assumed someone white was thinking something of me that I I have no concrete evidence that they were. I'm, a me- I'm in a mental jail. Yeah. Okay. You did say that. So I'm fighting myself. Trauma. Trying to say, well, no, 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 you bugging. Yeah. And. You know, there are situations where, like I said before, because I'm a nice laid back kind of guy and I, all, all I want is peace of love, baby. There are times where I have to question mm-hmm. if the scenario and the uh, person is going that route where it's yeah. like, oh, you're, you're racist. Oh, you, you don't like black people. I have to be really specific because it could be a situation every single time. No, and I, I don't get want it. it to be a situation every single time. Yeah, you don't want it to be a situation every single time. But sadly, we have history that indicates that most likely if you would have said something or what you're feeling most likely is right. Right. At least right for you in that moment. We've both been in places where we got the looks like, what the fuck are they doing here? Or how can they? <laughs> you, you've caught them more than I. I think I've been and back to mental jail. I think I put on blinders at one point. I agree. We're, we're, we're both in separate prison cells in mental jail <laughs> because you're very much like, all right. You know, because, again, your skin, your beautiful black chocolate skin is not my light, fair skin. Right. Your skin, as you said to me carries a different weight shaka zulu right so i have it i think i'm more aware of it because i'm walking with your skin and i'm seeing how people react to it versus you who've lived in your skin as long as you've been alive so you started to 
numb yourself to it as a coping mechanism. Mental like, jail. yeah, it's mental jail. So like I said, we're in different prison cells. We have different CEOs. Cause I'll be like, what the fuck is she looking at? But again, <laughs> right. Turning up like, excuse me, ma'am, you ain't never seen blackness before. Well, and you've done that many times, <laughs> many a times. And James Baldwin, when James Baldwin said that quote and I, it grabbed, it grabbed me when he said to be, to be a black man mm-hmm. is to be in, in a constant state, a constant state of, just rage. Yeah. And, 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 and that's where I'm just like, okay. And even, and, and I'm small and petite. Let's keep it 1000. No, okay, what do we you call have, you? Your sample size. Yeah. I'm sample, I'm sample size. Sample size. We have guys that I, you know, I've heard six, four, yeah. six, five. Yeah. I had conversations with these black, black guys and they're t- they, like, they have to be on extra edge oh, because absolutely. not only are they black, they're, they're black big. and huge. They look at them, the world looks at them like they're instantly going to attack. Again, the whole entire racist narrative that black men are monkeys and apes. This is why every time you and I watch Planet of the Apes, I'm like, you know this is about black people, right? And and white people. (laughs) I tell you this all the time. There's several movies we watch. I'm like, this is about racism. And you're like, what? I'm like, this is about racism. Avatar. Avatar, straight about racism. I told you that. There's a few movies that we watch, especially Planet of the Apes, because I'm like, listen, they equate black men to apes. They vary in size. So you would be a Caesar (laughs) because you're a little petit, you're un poquito. You'd be Caesar, but they equate... Black men to these huge gorillas that they think is automatically going to attack and oppress them. And it's not okay. And the mental gymnastics that happens to black people, to oppress people, is so traumatic that people have no idea how heavy the burden can be to be black, not only in America, because let's not act like racism does not happen across the world. Let's not act like you want to go on vacation and never experience racism. I'm going to need people to not act like it's just america i have an addendum please on a statement and addend oh yeah i got a addendum on the statement earlier i said 40 percent uh-huh you want more (laughs) 50 percent. this is ridiculous come on now 50 percent. i'm sitting back thinking about this whole time like wait but that's what i want that's what i want i want black people i want black people and i want the head of these black households i want these black men to sit with their black women and their black children and i want you to have a homework assignment where you get down on paper because when you write shit down it gets real right so i want us to sit down as families and i want us to have these conversations in our house and then take them to our thanksgiving tables and our barbecue tables and i want us to have real concrete solution driven discussions on what would reparations look like to you because we need to get clear and that's why I'm glad you came back and said no 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 now I changed my mind these are the dialogues that I think are necessary for us to say hey how are we going to move forward because guess what if you don't get global reparations, you can get reparations in your immediate circumference. So you write this stuff down. You and your wife or your girl or your bear, your children say, when I go to look for a job, these are the reparations I believe I'm going to ask for. So meaning the person at the job didn't enslave you, but their ancestors most likely enslaved yours, right? So you say as reparations for me means when I go work, This is what I want. This is not, I'm not going to allow anything other than these bullet points to be a part of my job description and a part of my perks and benefits program as a black person. If I need an additional week for mental health for black plight, I'm going to request that. This is what I mean about reparations. It doesn't have to necessarily be globally. It can be in your prism. What say you about that? Man, listen, you, it's, it could be a couple of things. 
not only do you give, not only do you do the 50%, not only do you do that, you actually, what you can actually do is give us green lights on everything and keep the dollar bill in the black community. So for example, I'm looking up now uh, companies that are black owned. Yeah. It's twofold. You get, we get the money and we keep the money and we keep it in, we keep it in house yeah. because that's how we build generational right. wealth. Not riches. Generational wealth. So now hmm. we, we, we say, Hey, you know what? We find the, the best, uh, it's going to take some time, but with that reparations, we can build our own grocery shops. With our reparations, we can build our yes, own farms. Yes, with our yes. reparations, our we banks. can build our own warehouses, our, our own banks. Yes, get our yes, own yes, loans. Yes, get yes, our yes, own yes. build our own cities. Yes. See, that's that's the thing. When you give us the fifty percent, mm-hmm. we can have people that are in position, that are in the know how, that have plans already set, already have legislation where we can move, where we can say, hey, okay, now we can do. Oh, we want to build a mall here. Boom, this is all black mall. Now we can build a whole city. This is all black city, just like they tried to do with black uh, Black Wall, Wall Street. Street. And then you keep the money in, in-house because you've already created our own black You mean Amazon. like Jewish communities? You mean you like... Keep it. Little China. You got China. Uh, little, um, no, so Little Italy. You have... You have Jewish communities. You have, um, excuse me, is it a little China? No, no, Chinatown. It's Chinatown. Yeah, Chinatown. You have... Which all- I find so inappropriate because we cannot have... We don't have Blacktown. No, no, no. We don't have a little Africa. But in New York City, you have two little Italy's. You got one in the Bronx, one in Manhattan. You have Chinatown. You're absolutely right. There is no coalition or no place for black people. Everybody else that has pale skin, they're allowed to have, they literally block off sections. You go into Arthur Avenue in the Bronx. What is it called? Yeah, little Italy. Right. Then they also have one downtown in Manhattan. You go to Chinatown, it takes up the whole entire strip. So you're absolutely right. We need our own. But with that said, I want us to be clear that black owned does not mean cheaper or discounted automatically. As black people, we have this thing about our own and supporting. We have an issue with supporting our own. Let me tell you a quick story. We give white business so much mercy and grace i have had white business mis misplace my orders i've had white businesses send me the wrong things i've had white businesses send me damaged things but guess what you'll just call them and you'll ask for it back and you'll move on and you'll keep ordering from amazon and you'll keep ordering from wayfair and you'll keep ordering from these white businesses you'll keep ordering from uh, uh um What's that damn clothing store, that old, the cheap clothing store? Fashion Nova. You'll keep doing your Fashion Nova. You'll keep doing that. But the minute you order from a black business and a black business misplaces your order or a black business sends you something damaged. You got to cut them off now. Oh, no. You got to cut them off now. We don't give black businesses mercy and grace the same way we give. And that's a conditioning that we have to check ourselves on. We always want to be like, ooh, that's a black owner. Let me see if I could get the hookup. Ooh, let me see if I could get the discount. She a black salon owner. Let me see if she going to give me a perm with this and that for this. But you wouldn't dare even put your lips together to walk into TJ Maxx. You wouldn't dare put your lips together to walk in Macy's and say, hey, can I get a two for five special we have to start looking at our businesses as valued we don't and i'm not gonna say all of us i don't like to generalize but a lot of us and as someone who has been running her own business for the past three plus years i can't tell you how many people be like how much you charge oh that's a lot i said what did you think we were just gonna have a conversation i actually went to school for this i am a life coach i'm certified my time is money but you're gonna play you're gonna pay a white therapist 225 dollars or 175 dollars an hour and you're mad 
mad that I'm asking you for a hundred, you wouldn't even blink if my name had a Weinberg on the end of it. It's inappropriate. With that said, on the flip side, I'm going to need black businesses to be as professional as possible. Unfortunately, we need to fly where these white people crawl and we need to understand that we're not allowed the room to slack like a lot of them do. They have the privilege to slack. We don't. And I wouldn't want to. I don't want to. I want my business to be up to par. Nothing's going to be perfect or 100%, but I would want my business to be as close to it as possible. Just because you have an Instagram business does not mean that you should not be in contact with your customers. You don't owe anybody anything right away in the blink of an eye, but guess what? There are systems you can put in place that your orders and your emails and all the correspondence when someone buys something for you can be on point. I just want black businesses to get it together. And I want black people to also give black businesses mercy and grace. I know that was contradictory, but both sides need to do work. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's a lot of nuance involved. Cause when I sit here and I listen to you talk so eloquently, you know, I try to get an understanding where it's like, okay, we're black folk aren't getting the loans. Okay. So we're trying to scrape up all the money we can to actually try to get the business together. So the business already on shoddy foundation right. already from the beginning. So it goes back to originally, originally what I said when in reparations, if you give us the resources, well, we need resources. If you give us the resources, a number to a tax lawyer, a number to an IRS man, yes, a number a financial to planner. A, a, a number to a financial yes. planner, and you give us the ability to call these people pro bono, yes, and you give us the ability to say, yes, I have a plan. Can you iron this out for me? Can you teach me? Can we need to be taught me. how to fish instead of being yes. fish poor. You do all of that. And then you put us in position to not just uh, just eat the fish. No, we can catch our own fish and fry it up. Yes. That's the point. Fried so, up with some so when you bring yeah. up, so when you bring up the the fact that some of these black businesses, you know, uh, um, don't get the grace, and I say, yeah, they don't get the grace, and that's that's the that's the the, the, the worst stigma who- because of our because yes. of us because yes. of the color of our skin. Yes, but it goes back to to me anyway, not having the ability for some instances and a lot of instances. Uh, training to, training, and have the ability to actually put together the business. You're trying to put together the business just like my dad tried to do back in the day on his own with no training, a plumbing business on Boston Road. He tried to put together with scotch tape and some, and some scissors. Some, and glue. And glue. He was yeah. like, yo, we're going to do it. We but he make learned it work, quickly that just because he knew one aspect of the business that he didn't know all the aspects of the 1, business. 1,000%. Right. And, you, and you have this Jewish conglomerate. Yeah. Like he, yeah. hearing, hearing the word like, yo, so wait, Manny... Manny going on his own? Oh, no, no. We got to hold him down. Yeah. You're going to be oppressed by people who, again, have privilege, who think you catching up means that they're going to be oppressed. That's why I say I went from 40% to 50% because I'm just like, wait, you have us. Also, it's not the system that's holding us down. You have the system that's holding us down and then pushing us down. Like, no, no. You, no, they're oh, not holding you down. Then they're burying you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get right. me wrong. You have, you have people that are jumping, like jumping, like literally out, out of the pit. Because they they force themselves because be that's great. what black excellence does. You know what I'm saying they force Obama and yeah. you can name thousands and thousands. But of black they had, men. again they had education, and you don't have to go to college to make something of yourself. I want to put that out there. You know there are many people who are successful, have great degrees, and went on. And there are many people, black, brown tan and beige who did not go to college Fair. and are still successful Fair. right it's about knowledge but it doesn't have to be in the conventional sense of not knowledge right there are many people who just know their industry and do it well you look at damon john you know who 
from Shark Tank and of course not from Shark Tank originally, but people this generation knows him from Shark Tank, but that's the FUBU creator, right? For us, by us. When you look at his story and listen to his story, you know, he didn't have much. He didn't have people giving him million dollar loans to start his stuff. He on a call in Queens and Harlem just selling t-shirts and hats and figuring out every nuance of the business. So I love what you said about reparations where again, a lot of people just want money. Give us money. If if you get a million dollars, black people, and you already are not financially literally, you'll be broken no time it's not just about money it's about putting you in place so that that money can replenish over and over that is a definition of success in america not riches riches means you have short-term money generational wealth means you can continuously provide for every generation coming before after you and who gave it to you and possibly before you so if you're the first one setting up generational wealth then you can give it to your kids 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 right so it's not about just getting a million dollars, $10 million. If you know not what to do with it, if you can't take care of your paycheck now, most likely you're not going to be able to not only take care of the million dollars that you receive for your reparations, but you're not able, you're not going to be able to generate replenishing income for it. Because let me tell you something, the price of everything goes up every year, Denny Blanco, right? So if you have a million dollars in 2020 and you don't grow that million dollars, in 2022, you're not going to be a millionaire anymore. If you just leave that million dollars in the bank, the price of milk alone goes up. It's going to depreciate. You have to replenish that money and make that money grow just like the price of everything that grows. 100%. Two, two points I'd like to bring up. First of all, um, every urban, again, reparations, every urban community should have a loan center specifically for the black community with trillions of dollars flowing through this loan center where you can go and take classes to actually get loans, certifications in order for you to build a business. When you go into the army, guess what? You, they train you in a specific field that you, you ask for, and then they can give you monies when you leave or you graduate. The armies are set up. It, even though, 100%. But in this situation, you're not fighting for your country. You're literally getting an opportunity to learn and to build your own trade. And, and when you graduate, you get the ability to get those monies to start your own business. This is where, and it should be a situation where once you get those monies, you're supported through it. Not yeah, just the support through it is the most important part. That's what I was saying. I can't give you a million dollars if I don't teach you how to not only break down, first of all, pay your taxes. If I don't teach you that. how to pay your taxes all and then that. teach you how to take what's left, all pay yourself, invest, and not just run out and buy your mama a house that she doesn't know she has to pay property taxes on every year, which she's not even in the tax bracket to hold. So reparations... It's nuanced. Yeah, absolutely, it's, it's not just can, give me money. Yeah, you, we, and it's not we, and it's not it, give us. It's we. It's owed to us. The Jewish didn't say we. It's owed to them. It's owed to them. They, they, the Italians took what was owed to them. They were allowed. They to literally. Take what was they literally was them. like give it. Give us everything. Give us everything. Russians got their own little piece of the pie. In certain sections of New York City, they said we'll take this piece. Leave us alone. Don't come over here. Leave us alone. We will build our own pharmacies. Mm -hmm. We'll build our own grocery stores so we can build this community, keep the money right, right here. here. And there's nothing wrong with keeping the money right here. Don't let white fragility, white guilt, and white fear make you feel like you're doing something wrong for growing your own. Here's the confusion. 
right? You, you think, yes, in the Bronx, in certain sections, you go to your sea towns, you're like, wow, that's lettuce? That doesn't look like lettuce. Uh, why do you like think wilted that, lettuce. Why do you think that is? That particular market line doesn't have the monies or funds to or the area to have whole foods now if we had the funds in the in the in the area to have a whole foods where again 50 percent instead of it being uh three let's say what is it how that's the exaggeration like 350 for a bottle snapple if you're in whole foods down in manhattan mm-hmm. it's 50 cents snapple it's and 50, whole foods no honey <laughs> give me talk to me it's they 50. doing some organic yeah if it, whatever money <laughs> whatever it is, it is yeah. whatever it is it's like 50 percent off for black people in their own community that's what i'm talking about that's how you pay back that's how you give people a lead on things you give instead of you uh the white people's like yeah we have no money so we can buy four of everything to your one let's reverse that now in our own community let's buy four of things that now we get the four to, to their one we I don't even want the forty to one. one. I just want four to four. Like this is what I'm saying. I don't have. I don't need to flip it upside down. Shit. The, 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 I, I personally don't need to flip it upside down. Uh, for me, I think it's it's a, such a drastic lead. The numbers suggest a drastic change where you have to flip it on its side. The way those numbers look, I'm looking like the gap. I'm talking about the wealth well, gap. Well, we know the wealth gap is humongous. The, that's what I'm saying. So if we're talking about just the wealth gap, we're saying, oh, how can we at least get a foot on or even or even my last point or even, you know, warehouses, you know, companies like Apple stuff, they make their stuff overseas because they it's tax less. Give the black companies tax breaks so they can make warehouses here so we can make things here well we should our infrastructure is terrible anyway i mean you saw that with the pandemic when we had to outsource we had to go to china for masks and stuff i mean it's ridiculous that we're going so far overseas to produce cloth face material it's it's nonsense and so i agree with you with that it for not only for black people but in freaking general it makes no sense that our entire infrastructure you know, is built on things we get from overseas. So you're absolutely right. Make that list, y'all. Make that list about reparations, what they look like to you on a global scale and what they look like to you in your home and in your jobs, in your offices. And anytime you come in contact with anyone that has the ability to allow your reparations to be heard. You know, these are discussions that we should be having with our friends and our families. What does it look like to you? Because if I'm ever in the situation to make it happen, because you never know where any of us are going to be. You never know who's going to press play on these episodes. You never know what form you're going to be in. I mean, I didn't know I was going to turn into a diversity and inclusion specialist. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that I was going to turn into a diversity and inclusion specialist for the last, you know, month at my all white executive job, but I became one. And you know what? I enjoyed it and I enjoy speaking. And now I'm looking into adding diversity and inclusion training to my certifications. And yeah. And if I need to do more than certifications for it, I think I'm interested in it because it's, it's already on par with what I do speaking and coaching, but now it's like more narrowed in and nuanced in and it's, it's a lane, right? It's a lane. So you never know where you're going to be to speak up for people. No. So I think it's important for us to have clarity around the things instead of just going in there screaming, being the loudest person who's angry in the room, rightfully so, angry for the oppression. But if you get a seat at the table, if it's a long-term seat or a short-term seat, 
even if you create your own table, you have to have decency and order in place, period. Let's switch before we get out of here. There's a few other notes on my post-it here that I wanted to talk about. So I wanted to talk about the adultification of black girls, which bothers me a lot. So there's this video that's been going around with this beautiful young baby girl, beautiful black queen. She's screaming, no justice, no peace, and she's marching. And then there's another video of the same baby girl who is given a speech and it was posted on many several platforms that I follow. And yes, she does sound like she has an old soul. She was on that microphone like a preacher. It seems like it feels like and everybody want to be like, oh, the ancestors are with her, blah, blah, blah. And they might be. They might be. But it hurts me so much to see a seven-year-old girl, which her mom said she was seven. They've done interviews with her. See a seven-year-old girl protesting and being such an adult in an adult setting when white seven-year-old girls don't have that problem. So that's one issue I have with it. That's clearly a clear difference about white children and black children. Clear as day. Then it just led me to the adultification of black girls and women. We are over-sexualized very early. So many black women have endured molestation and rape. Our bodies are over-sexualized and they always have been by white, black, and every other person in the world. We are often raised while our boys are loved. We've talked about that before. I've had many episodes on this platform about that. Women are taught to be, excuse me, girls are taught to be women so early. We're on the front lines for equality. We're taught to cook and clean and serve and be of service so early on. We're taught that we have to marry a man with a good job and give him babies if that's what he wants. We're taught that, oh, he's just a man. He cheated. That's what men do. We are taught to be submissive women by the definition of submission submission to people to me who want to oppress us. That's just my opinion, right? And watching this little girl just set that off for me. So I just want to say no to the adultification of little girls, specifically black little girls and little girls of color. I remember being in situations when I was younger. Thank God I've never been raped. But I remember being in situations where I was, when I was younger where I had to question if something was going to happen because this adult man who was my friend's father made me feel extremely uncomfortable and I didn't know if I was going to get out this elevator quick enough. I've been in situations as a teen and a young girl where I had people commenting on my body that I didn't even notice yet or that wasn't even a big deal to me yet. I've always been quote unquote thick. I've always had large breasts very early. I've always been voluptuous, but I've always had more body than the average person. Right. And while everyone's in training bras around me, I'm already in a B or C cup. So I was over sexualized very early. And sometime in our families, we over sexualize our girls and we don't realize it as their aunts, their uncles, their brothers, their sisters. We comment on their bodies and we comment on other women's bodies around them. And we think that that's not going to affect them, which is inappropriate. We tell these girls that they should be doing this. And that boy only hits you because he likes you. And all these mixed negative messages about not just being able to sit in an adolescent space. And I say no to that. I say no to the adultification of young black girls. I say no to over-sexualizing young black girls. I say no to over-empowering young black girls. Over-empowering is a thing. She does not need to know how to take care of a man at 12. She doesn't. She needs to know how to love herself and take care of herself and understands that when she's whole, the right whole man will attract to her 
and come get her because when a man wants you, he will come get you. That's what she needs to be taught. So I'll get off my soapbox about that, but that could be a whole separate episode because I just, I just don't like it. I don't like it. And I know the mama meant well. And I know if your kids want to march and it's all good to keep your kids informed about what's going on, about all the inequalities and injustices. And if they want to be abreast of it, fine. But let these kids be kids. I say no to the adultification of black girls. Lastly, before we get out of here, Denny Blanco, I want to talk about sacrifice. I want to talk about the bravery that's necessary for sacrifice and the long haul that it's going to be to get the type of change that we want to. And I see a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of talk, of course, that's what we're in the digital age. Everybody has thumbs, everybody has a screen. So everybody has an opinion and they put it on the screen with their thumbs. Right. And I want people to know that to get what you want a lot of times, you're going to have to sacrifice and you're going to have to be able to lose some things, including people along the way for the greater good. And you cannot do what's right if you're not willing to hold space for sacrifice. What say you? Oh, well, yeah, you do what you can um, as, as long as you can. So for me, I'm, you know, trying to spend my black dollar very wisely as much as I can. There are things you can't control. Amazon's white owned. You can't control that. But, you know, marching is one thing. Donate your time. Donate your money. There are other ways you can put in work. And of course, it's going to take some time and some effort and some sacrifice. But I don't want to have an environment which I've seen um, in discussions where it's we're downing other people for their um, particular uh, input into the cause, whether it's financial or physical or verbally, whatever the case may be, you know, you can't judge somebody as long as it's moving the conversation forward and it's being brought up. That's the main goal, I think. That's not what I was talking about, but that's a bullet point you can put a pin in <laughs> if you like, because judgment about how people choose to protest and stuff. Yes, great point. But that wasn't what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the definition of sacrifice is the act of giving up something that you want to keep, especially in order to get something else or to help someone. So I would like to keep ordering from Amazon because like it's my time too. right. I would like to keep my comfort and convenience by going to this supermarket. And it's inconvenient for me to go four miles to the black supermarket that I found four miles away. That's the type of sacrifice I'm referring to. Yes. To go to your point, people sacrifice in different ways. Yeah. People sacrifice in different ways and we should not have, you know, stake and claims of how other people sacrifice. Let's focus on our individual sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to be brave about and let go? Is it putting your money in a black bank? Is it saying no to, you know, these restaurants that you love so much that are white owned that really do not do anything for the black cause? Is it they only do something for the black cause when it comes to hiring waiters. You know, you have to look at what you're willing to sacrifice. Is it your time? Is it your body? Because let me tell you, this freedom fight and work is taxing. Marching, protesting, even staying up one night online. How many of us have, oh my God, quadrupled our online time 
since all of this started to be freedom fighters, digital freedom fighters, right? This thing takes time, money, energy, and effort and time away from your family. You know, you and I had to look at each other when this first all set off and was like, I haven't even really looked up at your face and had any conversation with you in seven whole days that had nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. Not that that was a problem because of course, what we're championing is a good thing, but our relationship is also as important, right? So you have to say, what am I willing to sacrifice? I'm willing to sacrifice my, my, my boo thing time today. But that is a sacrifice because love languages are not met. And then you become an activist household and you're like, when's the last time you and I connected, right? I asked you the other day, when's the last time we laughed? I said, we have to, we have to, have to, have to. We have to make sure that through the sacrifice, we're still connected to ourselves as individuals and our couple selves, right? So when I say be brave, we've always talked about be brave on this show before. Fearless, no. Brave, yes. Brave means I'm scared and do it anyway. There are many of you who are fearless that are listening to the show and I applaud you. And there are many of you who are brave. You're scared. You're scared to lose your jobs. You're scared to get shot at with a real or rubber bullet. You're scared to be hosed and tased. You're scared that Mace and all of these tactics that these bullies and these gangs, AKA cops are using. You're scared to be put in jail. You're scared to have a record. You're scared. You're scared. You're scared. You're scared that it's one of your sons, your daughters. You're scared that it's going to be your husband or your brother. You're scared, but you're operating in bravery and you're moving every day in any way. And I want you to know if that's you, you're already sacrificing something. You're sacrificing your sanity. You're sacrificing your sanity to be on the front lines by your definition of the front lines. Let me tell you, the civil rights movement, Denny Blanco, other movements, not everyone was on the front lines at Selma, right? Somebody had to be there when they came home bruised up. Somebody had to be the bail bondsman. Someone had to be the lawyer. Someone had to cook for everyone. Someone had to house everyone. There were safe houses and safe spaces, right? Someone had to watch the kids because People who are on the front lines are husbands, our wives, our daughters, our sons, right? They're family members and someone had to volunteer in their way to sacrifice and be on the front line. You're not always going to be the person going viral. You're not always going to be the person. You could be the one that simply put a bandaid on the cut of the head of the person who was on the front line and you were a part of the movement. Your sacrifice will look different from others. Your bravery and your fearlessness will look different from others. Just know whatever role you play, if it aligns with your morals, your values, and your ethics, it matters. It matters. It matters. Please tell the people where they can find you. Yo, I am Denny Blanco. Every Thursday at 8 p.m., please come by. We we do Denny Talks every week. We talk about it with Hype Williams, my consigliere, and we just uh, talk about things and, and get 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 information out where we need to share. We need stuff like reparations, what 40 acres and the mule looks like, conversations like that, conversations about what we can do to push this conversation forward, conversations about how do we protect ourselves, conversations about finances, all different types of conversations that we need to have. Not the gossipy, gossipy, gossipy stuff all the damn time. Right. Some tangible stuff. Holla at your boy. Some tangible stuff. Listen, beautiful souls, I love you for many reasons. I love your blackness and I love mine. I love you for being here. I love you for being present in your life. I love you because I love you. I just love you because you're a being and you deserve love. Love is your birthright. And I'm just proud of you. I'm proud of us as a community. I'm proud of the conversations that we're having. I'm proud of how we're standing up. I'm proud of how we're remembering to remember ourselves while we're standing up. I want you to remember that it's okay to smile, laugh, 
feel joy and happiness even on the front lines of the revolution. You don't need anyone's permission to post something different other than a Black Lives Matter post. You don't need anyone's permission to find joy in life even though there is pain and agony going on in the world. You can be a multi-layered being who is still revolutionary but also still likes to have fun. I love you for listening. Remember to love yourself always in all ways.